I'm your host, Kaylee, and this is Rebel Wellness. You've just tuned in to Rebel Wellness, the podcast that's here to revolutionize your approach to personal health and well-being. I'm your host, Kaylee, also known as Coach Kales, and I'm thrilled to have you join our Rebel community. In a world that's saturated with fleeting diet trends and unrealistic beauty standards, we believe it's time for serious change. Our mission is simple yet profound, to empower women like you to break free from the confines of today's diet culture and embrace a holistic approach to health that's sustainable for the long haul. If you're like me, you're here to embrace the concept that true well-being encompasses every facet of your life, mind, body, and soul. Rebels believe in aligning our journey with our individual needs and values because a one-size-fits-all approach just simply doesn't cut it anymore. This podcast is your safe space to explore the depths of wellness guided by myself, experts, real-life stories, and genuine commitment to your growth. You're here to begin your transformative journey, and it's time to discover your own version of balance in your health. Every week when you tune into Rebel Wellness, we'll learn, grow, and rebel against the polarizing outdated norms to finally achieve lasting vitality and joy. Because that sounds pretty great, right? Your journey starts now, and I am so excited that you're here. Oh my gosh, it is September. It is Virgo season, baby. And I'm a Virgo, so (laughs) this is my favorite season. I'm actually going to be hitting the big 3-0 this month, and it is crazy to me to think that I'm about to enter that whole new chapter. I was originally like really kind of like I was mourning my 20s because for the longest time I loved being like very youthful and having my own business like a successful business and being able to help all these amazing women and just humans in general that I've gotten to work with and it just was like fun for me for some reason to just like still be in my 20s and be able to achieve that and now that I'm shifting into this like next chapter it's been like this interesting kind of dichotomy of excitement for what's to come as well as a little bit of sadness for like really graduating fully finally from this kind of era. So if you're somebody who is already in their lovely 30s or more and you resonate with this um, air hug because it's such an interesting experience (laughs) and if you have not hit 30 yet and you're listening to this, just wait, it'll, it'll be here. It'll be a very interesting experience. But I refuse to be one of those people who's just like, I'm old, I'm wrinkly, like, there goes my prime. Because arguably, like 30s are still like, you've only been around for 30 years out of potentially like 85. I like to say that we generally all should probably be around 85 at some point in this modern life with modern science. <laughs> so anyways, I digress on all of that. Uh, just wanted to give you a little insight of what, what September means to me this year. It's a big year and I'm really stoked for all the amazing things to come. And with that said, I would definitely love to invite you to join either my email newsletter list for this upcoming year. I've got some really big amazing offerings for you at coachkales.com and or you can also um, download some of my freebies or look at what else I have available on my stand store at stand.store backslash kales. There's a lot of goodies everywhere I've got out for you. So that would be a great way for you to kind of get extra connected to our community here. 
at Rebel Wellness. And that uh, would also lead me to invite you to come join our community on Instagram at Coached by Kales. That's my flagship coaching page, as well as our at Rebel Wellness podcast Instagram page. Your girl also just recently joined TikTok. I'm going to dabble. I'm going to see what happens uh, being on the TikTok space. But frankly, it is so freaking hard to juggle all of these freaking platforms. And I'm like, I don't really want to like hire out randos to like manage those pages for me, you know? I mean, I know that's the thing to do, but I also like it to be authentic. I like it to be me, you know? So if I just am not on TikTok anymore. By the time that you hear this podcast, that's probably because I was like, meh, I'm over it. I probably won't be one of those people that takes like my profile down though. So anyways, I'm also on TikTok at Coach by Kales. Uh, come join me and follow. That's a lot more of a casual platform for me to share with you just random tidbits of information on, around nutrition, as well as some of my fitness tips from being in the industry for over a decade now. Uh, lots of great insights where I'm just trying to literally make food less evil again, where I just want to help you understand that food is just food. It's just a thing. And how you what you consume and how much you consume and all that jazz is what's going to impact how you feel, how you look, your goals, etc. So come join me. Any of those platforms would love to see you and say hello. Um, but without further ado, let's get into today's chat. And so September is the month of strength. I'm going to be chatting around various topics that embody the overarching theme of strength. So today's is actually literally about strength, physical strength. I'm going to give you some insights from my professional standpoint (laughs) around various fitness classes and modes of exercise in general and what type is best for specific goals. Because I see a lot of people nowadays misunderstand, and it's not their fault, it's like marketing, what different fitness classes are going to do for them and or not do for them. And so I really want to break that down for you because it's going to help you individually achieve so much more by understanding these things. So the scope of the demographic who I'm mostly talking for is going to mainly be adult females in the age group of 20-ish all the way up to 50-ish who are maybe dazed and confused about which exercise class or training method is right for them as they kind of listen to, oh, what friend said this or what influencer is telling them to do that or did Jillian Michaels support this? (laughs) You know, all these different things that we get influenced by externally from fitness authorities or people we think are fitness authorities. And we don't really fully understand the big picture for our own individual situation. And does that make the most sense for us for that? Does it make the most sense for our goal? Am I going to be spinning my wheels, taking and spending lots of money on this one class and be like, why am I not getting the results I want? I want to demystify all of that for you today as best I can for most of the major classes and styles of classes so that when you sign up for something, even if it has a name that I didn't exactly say, that you can understand how it's going to affect you, okay? For example, Orange Theory, it's really not a great route for a desk jobber who is at 
like stress level eight out of 10 every day. I'm going to tell you why. And multiple spin classes weekly are probably not the best for managing your hormones. And Pilates is most likely not going to make you quote unquote long and lean like it used to seduce us into assuming it will. Uh, so I, I will get into all of that. So make sure that you stick with me all the way through this chat because you're going to become a professional at breaking through the BS of different marketing for different exercise classes and pick exactly what routine is best for you week to week. And even more so, you can pair it with your energy cycles that tend to be paired with your natural cycles, your body cycles as a female. So let's dive in. So foundationally, we need to explore the two major types of exercise from a scientific differentiation, which will help you better understand why you are or aren't getting the results you want based off of what classes or exercises you're consistently picking throughout your week. So those are aerobic exercise and anaerobic exercise. I'm first going to squash right off the bat that people assume that because fat is oxidative, aerobic exercise is the best for fat loss. There is a yes and no to that. And it is mainly a no if you are somebody who is looking for longevity with a certain body composition, um, with a certain amount of strength and muscle, as well as how much you're able to actually eat to sustain and support extended aerobic activity. So what is aerobic activity? Technically, the definition of aerobic workouts are forms of exercise whose primary function is cardiovascular conditioning, aka aerobic, meaning with oxygen. That's what it literally means. So exercises that make us uptake significant amounts of oxygen to continue to perform said exercise, that would be aerobic activity. So this is extended bouts of that style of activity because when we breathe, we flood our body with oxygen for our muscles so that they can move and function. So that's where aerobics is very breathing intensive and that's usually where you're gonna see an increased heart rate. So anything that's really above like 110, 120, 130 and sustained, that's typically going to come from aerobic exercise only. There's subgenres of aerobic exercise, and that would be low impact aerobics, and then there's high impact aerobics. So that's where you can kind of differentiate if you're going from like speed walking all the way up to sprinting or long distance running with a fast pace, essentially. So the opposite of aerobic, aerobic meaning with oxygen, is anaerobic, which is without oxygen. So compared to aerobic exercise, which tends to involve sustained physical activity for a period of time, anaerobic activity involves shorter but more intense exercises. So those exercises don't use oxygen for energy, they rely on short-term forms of energy, aka glucose, which is stored in your muscles and things like that. So anaerobic workouts are much shorter typically, they can be higher intensity, and they also just draw on various energy sources in the body. I've spoken about this in a previous podcast, I believe it was episode five, which is all about HIT which I am going to touch on a little bit of those topics in this episode, but not quite as in-depth as just specifically for HIT. But I break down all the different 
pathways that anaerobic exercise gets energy from your body because there's multiple pathways. It's important to note though that there can be an overlap between aerobic and anaerobic exercise, but generally most anaerobic exercises tend to involve like weightlifting, various forms of strength training or functional training as a lot of people call it nowadays, or other intense activities such as short bursts of sprints, which can be combined with certain outdoor sports or things, even indoor sports technically, but um, you're not really going to see it in a form that exceeds typically 20 minutes of sustained output, even 15 minutes of sustained output, that starts to become just aerobic activity. Even if you're doing traditionally anaerobic-like movements, you should not be able to do a lot of anaerobic exercises for sustained time. So that's where I get a lot of beef with a lot of these different classes, like on Peloton, where they say hit class and it's for 30 minutes. It's not traditional hit. Traditional hit should be anaerobic by design because you should be going into maximal output with your heart rate and then a complete rest. You should be completely stopping. So for example, like in a Peloton hit class, they basically make you go to a lower cadence but it's still a cadence that's gonna keep your heart rate above 120. And that's something where we would look at it and be like, that's not true hit because you're supposed to completely get your heart rate to drop as low as possible, AKA stopping, and then go all out balls to the wall, get your heart rate up into that 80, 90% heart rate max zone or more technically for the best results. And then again, short, because you should not be able to sustain that for more than 20, 25, 30 seconds, and then a full like 60 second rest or so to get your heart to drop back down. So I don't love that there's a lot of confusion now because of improperly naming certain exercise classes hit because it should just be called high intensity training, not high intensity interval training. But it's also interesting to know that anything that lands in a zone called calisthenics, which is body weight exercises, essentially, um, everything from push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, you know, the usual, all the way to yoga also qualifies as an anaerobic exercise more so than aerobic because it is not quite in the sustained higher heart rate zone as what you would get for aerobic exercise because that's where you're breathing heavier, you know, and trying to manage that. I would say a nuance might be like Bikram yoga because it's so hot that your heart rate is up really high, but we're not going to get too like nitty gritty about it. Um, but I wanted to make sure that you understand the differences between anaerobic and aerobic exercise because that's the baseline of how we kind of view strength classes and different methods of training to determine what is going to be best for your goals. Okay, so I'm gonna go through about three categories that I shifted all of the major workout classes and methods of exercise that I can think of off the top of my head. Like most, the most common ones that I get asked about or that I know that clients partake in. And so I'm going to break them into three different categories and then answer like, who's it best for? What is it less ideal for? Who's at greater risk than reward, etc. Okay. So I hope that I can cover all of it. I'm going to do my best. So let's go right off the bat with the first category that I am considering cardio-centric fitness classes. And this is because 
for most sessions of these fitness classes or exercise styles, we usually are going for 45 minutes or longer. A standard exercise class is usually a 50 minute class, um, unless it specifically says like a short class or something like that. Um, those anything under 20 minutes, let's say, is not really a cardiocentric fitness class. I would call that probably more in the anaerobic zone because we call an anaerobic threshold when you are reaching right before aerobic because basically your body will utilize anaerobic energy systems until you supersede a certain length of time where your body needs to shift into the aerobic pathway where it needs to create energy more efficiently for more sustained time. So basically any fitness class that is going to be longer than like 30, 40 minutes or so is a standard fitness class because it is kind of just what is general. Like that's what we usually just see on the calendars at our gyms. Uh, most classes are around that time frame. So that's kind of what I'm going off of here in the US. I'm not really taking it into account things that are shorter or more specialty. So what have I categorized as a cardiocentric fitness class from our modern day exercises? So spin classes. So that's everything from star cycle, burn cycle, Peloton, you get the gist. Those spin classes are 100% cardio classes. As I'm sure if you've partaken in any of them, that is how it feels. <laughs> You're breathing heavy, you're sweating a lot. That is aerobic class. Kickbox cardio classes, I mean it's in the name. Uh, Zumba classes, any dance cardio classes in general. Some boot camp classes like body pump, which I believe is dominantly out of 24-hour fitness, but I do believe other places use body pump classes. And that's where you have moderate weights and they're paced with music. So there's usually not a lot of rest periods, which means your heart rate stays elevated, which means aerobic. So I've partaken in a few body pump classes, mostly because like old friends of mine were like teaching them and um, they definitely land more in a cardio centric fitness class zone for me, even though you are weight training, but you're never really lifting heavy enough where you can safely perform the movement with good resistance at a faster pace. Anything that's strength with a faster pace is most likely not heavy enough to be safely performed, which means that it's probably a cardiocentric aerobic activity in the end of the day. Because if I could deadlift to the pace of a Sam Smith song <laughs> with 200 pounds on my bar, uh, that would be a fascinating spectacle <laughs> to see. I have literally never seen anybody do that. Uh, maybe some of those like top champions from the CrossFit Games could do that. But the general person could not and should not do that. So that would mean that you're using light enough weights to keep up with a faster pace. So hopefully that makes more sense as to why I fit those into a cardiocentric zone. Because again, you're not getting enough rest periods where your heart rate goes down and then you're sustaining higher heart rate through most of that class because you're pacing it with music or pacing it with whatever your instructor wants you to do, which is usually keeping you moving constantly the entire class. Because a lot of classes, honestly, like a little bit of a side note, 
most classes are there to kick your ass. They're there to make you sweat like crazy, be really sore, which technically means from a fitness professional side that you did a lot of cardio and you overtrained. Um, if you're super hella sore for several days after a class, that didn't mean it was a badass workout. That meant that it overtrained you. And so my clients quickly learn that I don't want them to be super beat up after every single session. That's a horrible way to gauge efficacy of a workout. And it's something that is relatively dangerous because we go to these classes like Orange Theory and such, which yes, that's my last one that you might be surprised about. Orange Theory, I put into a cardiocentric fitness class because two thirds of the Orange Theory method is treadmill and rowing machine. Those are two cardio machines. And so all of these classes are going to make you get a good drip and work really hard, but that doesn't mean that it actually benefits you in the long run because it's going to be putting you in a overtrained zone and you most likely aren't going to be properly recovering afterwards if you live a normal working adult life or you have children and things like that. You don't get to sleep long enough or maybe you didn't get to eat well enough. And especially if you're overdoing it and doing like three to five, well, three would be like maybe max if you spread them out, but four plus workouts at Orange Theory, any of those kind of F45, like boot camp sweat type places, you're most likely overtraining yourself and you're going to hit a wall, hit a plateau. You're probably going to stop losing all that fat that you might have initially lost for these reasons I'm about to tell you. So the issue with a lot of these fast paced boot camp style, more cardio centric fitness classes is that you are showing up and doing two or one or two major cardio exercises. So either you're jogging or running on a treadmill, you're doing row machine for a certain amount of time with a certain amount of intensity, and then you're shifting into a space where you do some weighted workouts with lighter weights. They might feel kind of heavy, especially because if you're gassed from doing all the cardio, that's a natural body response. Um, but you're never able to lift heavy enough to stimulate significant muscle growth. And having more muscle is what makes you more metabolically active at rest. So when you're burning calories doing cardio, you're only burning those calories while you're doing that cardio. Afterwards, you have zero afterburner effect. Whereas with strength training and other strength training based classes, you get the afterburn effect where you metabolically have a spike in more calories burned, especially because bodies that have more muscle burn more calories at rest. So the other dark side to cardio is we have this unique reaction in the body that is called muscle pare down, where because cardio is asking a lot of nutrients from your body, because you do burn more calories faster with cardio by the nature of how that energy system works, we are then basically burning a lot of calories if we're not replenishing those same calories enough afterwards, because say we're trying to do the classic thing where we're just trying to lose as much fat as fast as possible. So we're going to like run, 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 or take all these orange theory classes and under eat bodies under recovered. Your body is not only going to start looking for the protein nutrients it needs for energy and recovery from your own muscles, but your body also has this mechanism in place where it protects you from being too metabolically active, aka having more muscle makes you more metabolically active because you keep doing all this cardio activity 
that you then get this interesting situation where your body now actually tells your body to make less muscle and recover and deposit less muscle as you continue in this consistent cardiocentric routine. And that's 100% a real thing. That's that's actually where the dark side to doing too much cardio is for like the quote unquote skinny fat body. That's why you see like long distance runners always have a certain kind of look. They never have a like significant amount of muscle. And the other side that sucks with cardio is as you get more efficient, as your cardiovascular system gets healthier, AKA gets more efficient, you have to push it harder. You have to keep doing more to get the results of improving. And so that's the hard part with cardiocentric fitness classes is you kind of bottom out at a certain point where your 50 minute spin class, you're either going to have to increase the resistance to make it harder on your muscles to increase the intensity, or you're basically just going to get really good at it and then kind of plateau and just be doing it for the cardio benefits. So to answer that first question of like, who is best to utilize cardiocentric fitness classes? It could be anyone in the general population who wants to have a few workouts a week to challenge their cardiovascular capacity, which is immensely helpful for a multitude of reasons, not only like blood pressure and circulation or blood sugar management, but overall having a healthy heart is extremely important. But I would just say I wouldn't exceed two to three cardiocentric fitness classes a week, and you should never be doing it with the goal of fat loss. And I know that that sounds confusing, especially again, if you're somebody who has been following the whole aerobic fitness is the best for fat loss because fat is oxidative. It's that's where, yes, it kind of can, but when you're overdoing it in the way of just only doing cardio centric fitness classes, you're going to be missing out on a lot of the benefits of building muscle, having more metabolic activity because of building more muscle and giving your body space to recover and eat enough, as well as it's really hard to eat in a deficit, um, especially if you're like following macronutrient ratios to shape your body and lose body fat and keep your muscle while overdoing it with cardio classes, because you're going to become ravenous, especially the female body uniquely has a more significant response to too much cardio, where our body actually is asking for more nutrients then it actually needs because it sends signals to the brain. Your ghrelin is what hormone signals your brain. It's hungry. Ghrelin spikes faster after cardio for females, especially if you do only cardio, because it's like, hey, we need more nutrients. You're expending a lot for some reason. Um, And then when you prolong that, it makes it even worse for your um, longevity goals and your health overall, because it's depleting a lot of nutrients from your body. It's paring down the muscle ability to build muscle and maintain muscle. And it's just putting you in a position that is not the best for hormones, especially if you're somebody dealing with a high stress job or a high stress life, because cardio uses cortisol because cortisol is what activates your ability to create energy. So if you are somebody who already has high cortisol from life things, and then you're adding more cortisol into the bucket by doing your crazy spin classes on Peloton every night or something like that, it's going to put your cortisol in too high of a position for too long all day long. And you could experience significant hormone imbalances as well as like adrenal fatigue and things that kind of land in that umbrella. So That is really important to understand. And I've also like 
I've talked about it many times before. I am somebody who like physically has gotten my hormones tested and know that I am somebody who has what the umbrella call adrenal fatigue, but I know a lot of practitioners don't like to call it adrenal fatigue, but basically it's when you've been having way too much cortisol in your system for too long in the fight or flight zone where it's been chronically elevated and it has negative health implications because it impacts our ability to regulate our stress response. And I get very tired because my cortisol completely dips around noon to two and it's not supposed to. It's supposed to be like slowly tapering off throughout the day. (laughs) So that's where my cortisol quote unquote fatigues and I'm actively working on repairing that. But that for me means that I do not do more than one to two cardiocentric fitness classes or exercises on my own weekly because it is not supportive of my stress. So I would highly, highly recommend that if you're somebody who is in that similar category, you have a very stressful job or you have kiddos, whatever, I wouldn't do more than two or three of those classes a week. They can totally be in there, especially if you find joy in like your Zumba or those bungee workouts, (laughs) if you know what I mean. You've seen those. It's kind of hilarious. But I just would not exceed that amount a week, especially if you're just trying to have a better body composition, healthier heart, and more overall endurance and energy, because that is what you can benefit from cardio classes. But you really are not going to benefit from it if you supersede like three workouts a week. Okay, so the next category is strength, flexibility, and mobility-based classes. So we're looking at Pilates, yoga, bar, TRX, suspension trainer classes, and like mega reformers. If some of those sound like completely confusing to you, it's totally okay. If you understand what I'm talking about, then this is great. (laughs) I'm not going to completely like give full definitions of different types of classes because that's not necessarily as important. But if you remember them and you see those classes like on your gym calendar or something like that, now you'll know that's what this category is. So this is more in the anaerobic zone and sometimes can cross over into that like dual aerobic, anaerobic, depending on the style of the class. I don't know every single class teacher's method when they are preparing it. Some of them like to do like really fast pace, kick your ass because the collective misconception that that means it was a good workout (laughs) is super true for a lot of classes. But a Pilates and yoga and bar, bar is actually a combination of the methodology behind Pilates and yoga as well as ballet, actually. And So it kind of is in the same category where you are waiting. So you are putting resistance while you do different movements, but you're not doing it at a fast pace where you're kind of sustaining this consistent movement long enough to be considered in an aerobic zone. So this is an anaerobic threshold because you're utilizing your muscles, you're strengthening them, but you're not necessarily loading them extremely heavy. So that's where I put it more in a category where there's strength involved, but it's also very dominantly flexibility and mobility. So these classes are often advertised to the general population as 
how you achieve a lean toned physique. Long and lean was an old phrase from like the 80s, maybe 70s as well. And definitely in the 90s (laughs) where like Kate Moss was a thing. (laughs) And it stemmed from the concept that like adding resistance and time under tension with like calisthenics for your Pilates and yoga movements, plus also lengthening through stretching and performing other movements that also kind of lengthen the muscle, allowed you to build muscle tone, quote unquote, alongside staying leaner. So part of this works if your genetics have you in a tall, leaner body. where your muscles are already longer and your body type is already leaner. We would call this an ectomorph. Um, That's the dominant group that are like the teachers of these classes and or the people who tend to gravitate and partake in ballet and things like that. That's why you don't usually see people with shorter, stockier body types partake in ballet as often, right? And ballet has its own toxic culture in general. It has beautiful history and it's its own art in its in, in its own way. However, when you know people who are in ballet, like I had a very good friend in high school who was an amazing ballerina who went to New York actually to perform professionally. She was riddled with tons of different pressures and, you know, honestly disorders with eating and physically because they're just under such high standards to look quote unquote, long and lean. So if you don't have that body type, you really don't succeed in that zone. So you most likely ditch it. We're not really just going to talk about dance in that zone, but I wanted to kind of like point that out because it helps you understand that a lot of the teachers who go into later to teach Pilates and bar and things like that have this background from being in ballet when they were younger and or they gravitate to that type of of exercise because it comes more natural to them and it also makes people look at them and be like oh I want to look like you I'm going to take this class but first things first lady I'm going to tell you right now you're only going to look the way that your genetics is going to let you look so with paired with your exercise and nutrition so if generally you know your body type and you're more of a mesomorph, which means you can gain muscle and gain fat pretty easy, but you can also lose fat and maintain muscle more easily. That's a mesomorph. Ectomorph is what we call a hard gainer. They're usually the taller people who can eat whatever they want and stay really thin. They have a harder time adding muscle though. They usually, when they add muscle, it looks like little baby muscles, what we would call toned, quote unquote, even though again, muscle tone is actually not the proper terminology. A lot of scientists in a strength training world, like hate when people say toned, but I'm just going to use it because the general population understands it because it is frequently used for marketing because you don't want to call a woman muscular because she would probably freak out. So let's call it toned, even though toned is muscular. You don't get tone without adding muscle. (laughs) So Maybe bulky is more what people tend to be afraid of. But in reality, if you're trying to add tone, you're adding muscle. So I'd encourage you to think of it a little bit better in that zone or a little differently rather. Um, But anyways, you're going to see a lot of people with that type of body type teaching these things because that's usually the type that 
performs these little baby exercises. Um, I call them baby exercises because you're using like little weights and you're doing like a bajillion reps. Uh, I've taken several bar classes. I took Pilates for two terms in college. And while they're very amazing at helping you build core strength, which is total body isometric strength, isometric means like if you're holding a plank versus isotonic, which means that you're doing push-ups. Those are two different types of strength bases. And Pilates is great for isometric strength and a little bit of, I would say, isotonic for like high rep things like body weight, high rep things. But it's not going to give you a long term muscle gain if you're looking to build bigger glute muscles, stronger shoulders with more shape. You know, you need to progressively add more weight every week or every month to achieve a stronger body with bigger muscles because you have to tell that muscle why the heck it needs to get bigger. (laughs) It will not get bigger if it doesn't have a reason to. So that's where I see the biggest downfall for a lot of these Pilates or bar classes or mega reformers for building a long-term strong body because you kind of cap out at a certain barrier of strength because you're not able to weight more than body weight or some resistance from like the reformers and things like that. Yoga though is a beautiful practice for stress management, flexibility. If you're somebody who strength trains, I usually like to have my clients encouraged to take yoga classes or follow yoga videos as frequently as possible because yes, strength is a contraction-based movement which means your muscle is shortening and we do want to lengthen it to keep healthier muscles, healthier fascia and help the body move better. So for the question of what is these types of classes best for, or who are these classes best for? It would be people who are looking to manage their stress while doing a more low impact calisthenic. So body weight based exercise. So this can be really great also for people who have joint issues. They maybe have early arthritis. They might have some, they're recovering from injury or just trying to prevent injury. So these are great for those reasons, but I wouldn't take these classes in efforts to achieve a certain body type or body composition if you're looking to have more muscle and burn more fat and have stronger muscles with more shape. You're not going to get that really out of these classes, which I know again is going to kind of surprise you, but you're just not able to load enough and frequently enough to actually add muscle in the size that you want. You basically are going to be able to add some muscle and create some shape and indents and things on your arms to show that you do have muscle. So quote unquote tone, but you're not going to get that full tone. Like you're not going to get like Michelle Obama arms from just doing Pilates and you're not going to be burning calories in the way that benefits a fat loss goal by just doing Pilates or something like that. You're not going to get a Pilates body unless you're an ectomorph with a natural Pilates body. (laughs) If you're somebody who's taller and leaner naturally, that's the Pilates body. You're not really going to get it from the other one, uh, from the other versions of this type of class. So there's Matt Pilates and Reformer, all that kind of stuff. And I will also say that I've had clients with like prior injuries or kind of in-between injuries that haven't become like bad enough to need surgery until they did become bad enough. 
where they were doing a lot of Pilates, trying to get that quote unquote Pilates body. And it actually impacted their injuries worse because of being kind of locked into place and on those reformer machines. And you can actually use the wrong muscles a lot or isolate improperly with those machines because you are kind of mounted up against something rigid so that you're not just using your body. So if you're going to do Pilates, I usually actually recommend that you just do mat Pilates. I'm not a huge fan of reformer Pilates, but all that to say, that's kind of just my take on those different types of classes, but there is absolutely a place for strength, flexibility, and mobility based classes, such as like yoga and mat Pilates, etc. I'm personally not a huge fan of bar. I've also found like bar three and all those to have kind of a certain, a certain vibe that I don't vibe with. <laughs> and a lot of my clients don't vibe with it either. And some of them are like, I'm so glad you said something because like I kept feeling this weird energy that was a little pretentious and I never was really getting the kind of workout results that I wanted and I was wasting a lot of money, you know? So if you feel that way, I feel it too. And I agree. And you don't have to go to those classes if you don't feel like they're actually benefiting you. But for frequency, I would say that you probably for yoga and such would do really well to do another like two to three times a week. You don't need to overwhelm yourself and you don't necessarily need to do like a daily practice. If you're somebody who wants to do like a 15 minute daily practice every morning, that's beautiful. That's great. That would be a really good way to incorporate the benefits of like morning circulation and flexibility into your day to start off your day. But again, if you're somebody who wants to do like a 50 minute or 90 minute practice, I would just do two to three times a week and probably not necessarily exceed that because if you do exceed that, you're probably doing more than you need to um, for those benefits. And if your goal is to try to shape your body again, you should probably be incorporating some strength training. So that brings me into the final category, and that is naturally strength training and conditioning based classes. So these classes are things in the categories of like CrossFit, circuit boot camp classes, private strength training with like a trainer that involves periodized progressive programming and classic kickboxing. So not kickbox cardio, those are different, and kettlebell classes or other functional training classes. So these are the types of strength training and conditioning classes that involve progressively increasing your weight following a program or some general outline of a consistent program week to week where you are consistently training nearly every single muscle group, especially the major muscle groups, like the largest muscle groups, such as your lats, pecs, glutes, quads, hamstrings. Those are your biggest muscles. And they're like the general muscle groups where you're working those muscles consistently at least two times a week or so. And these classes are always going to be the best for building muscle. They will be probably the king classes for building muscle. If you aren't doing progressive programming and you want to build muscle, like you want a more shapely butt, you want stronger arms, you want a leaner back, you want better posture with more balance with your muscles, different things like that. Um, you're going to be getting that from strength training and conditioning based classes. And you're also going to move better in life 
from strength training and conditioning classes. However, the nuance to that is that you are not following something that makes you rush through your weightlifting. So there are CrossFit classes and circuit boot camp classes that want you to simultaneously lift heavy and do it fast. That is where you get into injury zone because there's a lot of risk for an accident in form. So you most likely will get to a form failure zone, which you should when you're lifting heavy, but you should never get in a form failure zone while you're flinging a weight around or something like that. So historically, I have never been a huge fan of CrossFit because traditionally a lot of the past clients I've had or friends, I've almost known all of the ones who become avid CrossFit goers to have had some major injury during their time training. And it makes sense. Like I've said before, I totally get why people love CrossFit. There's a community involved. It's challenging. You have people cheering you on. It's great. It's amazing for that. And there's a lot of great places that don't make you basically um, lift crazy weight, crazy fast, uh, because they know that it's not always necessary to be stronger and healthier. But if you're going to go any of that CrossFit or circuit boot camp class style, be careful if you're crossing threshold into an aerobic zone where you become kind of a cardio centric fitness class where you're throwing a lot of like heavy weights around that usually puts you at risk for injury. So when you're looking at risk versus reward, make sure that you're always competing only against yourself. You're taking the pace that you need. You're not overdoing it. And you're working with a coach or team or instructor who understands that like you're in it for strengthening your muscles and challenging yourself and doing better week to week not just beating everybody else, beating your body down, etc. Because there's actually been a huge spike in the last five to 10 years from CrossFit of people getting what's called rhabdomyosis, which is where basically your body gets overtrained so hard that you start to actually eat the muscle. Your muscle starts to basically atrophy and um, you basically start to get it dissolving into your pee. And then you'll have really dark pee and you'll feel like crap and it can be potentially life-threatening. And it's been happening more because people aren't knowing their own threshold and people in CrossFit are like, you can do more, do harder, go harder. And people are pushing themselves across that natural barrier where their body's like, yo, you're like desk job Bob probably don't act like you're a NFL athlete, you know? And so if you are somebody who wants to do one of those kind of community-based strength and conditioning classes, I would definitely just make sure that you listen to your body, learn your body, take your time. And you really need to prioritize your sleep quality, your food. You need to have enough protein and hydrate enough if you're going to do that. As anything with any, any of these classes, honestly, you definitely need to prioritize that for your best results. Um, but as far as the other strength training and conditioning based classes, working with small group training or private training, that's going to be one of your best bets for shaping the body that you want and getting on a program that actually makes sense for your lifestyle. Usually caveat here is there's also a lot of trainers here who are like newbie baby trainers that are really um, enthusiastic about fitness and what worked for them. Um, I would usually say for females, I 
I honestly would not recommend you work with a male trainer because I've had a lot of male trainers um, not fully understand the female body naturally, not their fault. A lot of them do try their best to, and a lot of them do train female clients who get good results. But if you're somebody who's looking for someone who understands a little bit more about the unique shaping that the, the female body wants or like things that are less desirable, you know, not making you build out your sides of your waist because you want to bring your waist in or whatever. There's a lot of different little nuances, as well as understanding that you should be changing your training with your cycle every week. Those are all things that a female trainer can be a lot more intuitive with with you. And they can resonate a lot better with different things as well. So totally great to work with a male trainer. If you already have a male trainer and it's gone well, that's awesome. But if you have the chance to make a choice, I would work with a female trainer if you are a female, because you're going to have a lot better results for a multitude of reasons. And I can't tell you how much like a lot of the male trainers typically train my females like a male still in a lot of ways and it's okay. But at the same time, they tend to not really get the results they're really looking for. And then there's just this kind of awkward phase where now you're just like super loyal to that trainer, but like you're not really getting out of it what you want and you have a hard time, especially because females have a hard time like letting down males not all the time, but it happens a lot. And I think a lot of us can resonate with understanding that it tends to be harder for females to be like, I don't want to train with you anymore. You know, there's a multitude of things, but I have seen that a lot. That's why I'm bringing it up. I'm not just guessing off the cuff or any of that kind of stuff. I've literally had clients say, I just can't, I can't like tell him that I don't want to work with him anymore because he's such a nice guy and whatever. Yeah. So I digress, but at the same time, you're going to get the best body shaping results and accountability out of working with small group training or private training with a professional that is qualified. You need to make sure that they have more than just their little certification from ACE, NSCA, ACSM, you know, all of those basic personal training certifications. That doesn't really teach them anything. I know because I've done them and I have had friends that do them. You're going to want to look for somebody who has got time under their belt as well as ideally a degree is even better. Like I have a degree in kinesiology taught me way more multitude, way more as you would hope than my single little do in a month and then take the test personal training certification. So you do have to be careful about that. That's possibly a topic for another time, but it is really important that people understand that if you're working out at a big box gym and they're coming at you like, Hey, you've got a free personal training session. That's an upsell of course. But also a lot of those trainers are more on the newbie side. They're still figuring out like their population niche and they're still learning different bodies. They most likely have not been training for longer than maybe three years max because a lot of trainers will start at big box gyms and then go off and do private training or work for private training studios if they want to make that a profession. A lot of people will train because they can and they enjoy it during college or something. Um, and they may not be as well-rounded in their understanding of nuances to different bodies and different health conditions. So choose wisely. Always invest in your fitness professional because that's going to make or break your success, honestly, because the more experienced people are going to cost more, but it's always worth it. Sometimes they cost the exact same that those big box gyms are charging. And so don't balk at the price for a private trainer who has more experience if it's the same or slightly more 
than the big box because the big box people have way less experience, unfortunately. That's just a little pro tip. I don't know if you did not know that, but that is nothing to say bad because I even started at a big box gym. I started at LA Fitness, but I also know how new to fitness I was at that time. I would, But at least I was finishing in college at the same time with my degree, so I was a lot more experienced with uh, physiology and anatomy and all that stuff than my colleagues that just took the certification test and, you know, we're kind of doing, doing the thing. So anyways, that's important to know because I think a lot of people don't always know that, but in the concepts of learning strength training and conditioning based classes, that's something important to know because personal trainers and small group training lands in that category. And that is going to be your best bang for your buck for body recomposition and building strength to just perform better in life. Like it's a lot of functional movement stuff where you're going to get better at lifting things. You're not going to hurt your back as much, again, pending that you have a good coach. But at the same time, you are, you're a good candidate for those classes at any age, literally at any age. I know a lot of people get afraid. They think like, well, I'm going to hurt myself because I'm older. You're going to hurt yourself because you're older in general in life. You're going to hurt yourself less because you're older when you strength train and you get stronger. So there's a huge misconception that because you're going to lift heavier and stuff, you're at higher risk of getting injured. Not if you're trained by a good professional who is progressively, slowly loading your body and helping you get stronger and more mobile by taking it day by day and training all your muscles balanced. So make sure that you understand that when you are balking at strength training classes and lifting weights, because it's so funny to me how many women are like, I can't, I don't want to lift more than 10 pounds. I don't want to get bulky, but every day they're lifting 20 pound bags of this or that they're lifting their groceries. Some of them are carrying babies that are like 20 or 30 pound babies, you know, like all this different stuff, but they just can't not lift more than 10 pounds. Like they're like, there's no way I'm going to get bulky. I don't want to look like a man. And I'm like, oh my goodness, it's just not at all what's going to happen. We do not have enough testosterone to look bulky. And the only way we get bulky is if we build a lot of muscle and we keep all of the fat on our bodies by continually overeating our calorie needs for the day. It's pretty simple. All right, let's wrap this up. So I hope that that was helpful for you and that you are feeling a little more confident in understanding why, which classes and which types of training matter for you as an individual. And um, if I didn't say it already for strength training and conditioning based classes, the frequency that I would recommend is that you do that anywhere from two to five times a week. So depending on what program you're on and who or what classes you're taking, the berries, honestly, the berries classes do fit in the strength training and conditioning base class zone because they actually have periodized programming that you can go every week and follow specific muscle groups to get stronger. So for the general, if you're looking for like classes like that, if you see them focusing on lower body and then upper body and then, you know, whatever, that's usually going to be some level of programming or strength training. And so you can go as frequently as up to five times a week, six or seven times. Honestly, you're not getting enough time to rest and recover. 
So I don't really like recommending anybody work out more than five days a week because you're going to be overtraining again, especially if you are a more stressed person. You need that freaking recovery time, babe, okay? You need to go and let yourself have some full days off where all you do is maybe walk. Maybe those are the days you do your yoga, but like low impact yoga, like Hatha yoga or yin yoga, and it's okay to rest. (laughs) That is very important to understand. So that would be the perfect programming for if you're somebody who really wants to build muscle and get some more body recomposition benefits as well as strength, hormone balance, better sleep. There's so many things that come from putting on muscle and those only come from strength training and conditioning based classes or programming. I would say overall, I think any movement can be better than no movement though. Um, But if you had the opportunity to pick a route that best suits your unique life, unique life wouldn't you because i know i would and i do so i hope that this kind of this whole chat empowers you to pick your classes better and adjust the frequency for certain classes and see your life kind of transform into more of the health goals that you are desiring so all right rebel that's it for today's episode share your knowledge and this experience with any of the women in your life because when we support each other we all thrive together celebrate your strength and nourishment walk with confidence and i will catch you next week on another episode of rebel wellness If you are still listening, thank you for tuning in to our latest episode of Rebel Wellness. If you've been enjoying our conversations around health, fitness, and wellness, I have some exciting news for you. So if you would love to join our newsletter group, you can join us on coachkales.com or you can join my Stan store at stan.store backslash Kales, K-A-I-L-E-S. And that's an awesome opportunity for you to snag some freebies that I've created, including a macro hack grocery list that is going to help you kind of design a custom grocery list, especially for following macronutrients. Because as you know, if you didn't listen to my macros in May series, I would go back to those episodes because it has been a game changer for so many of our listeners for getting more on top of how to shape their physique and their health goals with the food they're eating. So don't sleep on that. Go get your free download. Or I also for fun have a little 14 day ab challenge that I actually have used with my clients and my clients have had some really surprising, amazing, well, surprising that only in 14 days, you can have such great progress with your core strength and your abdominal muscle tone in general. So that is also free on my stand store. So again, S T A N like stand the man stand.store backslash kills. And you can also join our newsletter from that. And if you would like to reach out to me, chat, maybe work together, you can also contact me through my website, coachkales.com. And I would absolutely love you to join our Rebel Wellness Podcast Instagram, which is at Rebel Wellness Podcast. And you can also join my flagship coaching page at Coach by Kales. That's where it all began. That's where I share the most um, kind of custom to what I do work on specifically with my clients on that page. So join that one. It's all feminine wellness focused and I share some great stuff, some goofy stuff, 
things that you just don't want to miss as well as healthy recipes and things and easy recipes because we all kind of need some easy grab and go things don't we so i would love you to join both those pages as you'll be joining a community of like-minded females who are all committed to living their best lives so hit that follow button and i would love if you felt the need to share and rate our podcast we would love that anyways thanks for listening and i hope to catch you next sunday or say hello on the gram